Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Player to Prospect podcast. Our guest is Jeff Baginero, who is the pitching coach for the Reno Aces, the AAA affiliate for the Arizona Diamondbacks. As we walk through different points in Jeff's career, make note of the perspective he brings having experienced so much in the baseball world. Now, here's my conversation with Jeff Baginero. Okay, I'll start with what I'm doing now and then we can backtrack to where yeah. it began, whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my name is Jeff Baginero. I'm a uh, pitching coach with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm in Reno, AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my fourth year, including the COVID year, which we had no season. <laughs> yeah. So, been doing that for a while. And um, yeah, I love the game, man. Been with the D backs the whole, my whole professional coaching career. Mm-hmm. And before that, I played for about eight years, minor leagues, little couple cups of coffee with the <laughs> White Sox and Diamondbacks. Yeah, cups of coffee. That's a fun way to put it. Um, uh, I don't know where that came from, but it's 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 easier to say I don't have a lot of time than yeah, yeah, yeah. Three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get the cup of coffee. You're in and out of the shop in five minutes. You're you're on the move. That's yeah, funny that's, though. That's... I mean, yeah, uh, we'll definitely. I'll definitely talk about your transition from playing to um, to coaching, but you had a few years in that time, right? Like you, between playing and coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you always know you wanted to be a coach? Was that something that you kind of just picked up later on? Because uh, some people are frankly born and they're like, oh, I want to be a coach once I'm done yeah. playing. Others, No, not, so not at all. Not at all. I didn't want to coach. Really? I, I literally, I, well, when I was playing, I was just kind of wanted to be a family man and like have a regular job. And mm-hmm. I was tired of kind of traveling and not making money. And, you know, and I was like, well, I'm just got married. I just had a child. I had to retire because my arm stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want out. I don't want to be away from my brand new baby and all this stuff. And then I kind of did that for two and a half, two years, whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I basically started working with, um, a friend of mine who was a pastor at church and I was trying to kind of use my faith to help the city, like whether it was sports programs or mm. just community related stuff, getting people involved and, and getting our people involved and, you know, making the city better. I was living in Tucson at the time and didn't know what that meant. And it was kind of a just made up role, but mm. just trying to do good things. Right. And trying to find myself and where I was going to go after that. So I did it for a while and I, I actually enjoyed it. But at the same time, I knew something was like missing. Like, I, I mean, I missed the game bad. It was yeah. Like I was doing good work, and I was like feeling guilty because I wasn't happy, you know, doing what I was doing. I'm yeah, like, I, I gotta find a way to get back in and and still use my passions and you know some of my faith related things in in that regard and just you know live it out in the game, which I was known my whole life. So yeah, um, I, that's when I started pursuing getting back in and it was kind of tough. I mean, I was out for two years. You get out, you're out, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, you always have connections, but at the same time, it's not just like guys are handing out jobs. And in today's game, it's way harder. Like back then I had zero coaching experience, zero idea what I was doing, just knowing Mm -hmm. what I was as a player. There's no social media to like go and dig in and find all these cool drills and things people are teaching. It was just, you show up, you watch pins, you kind of ask other coaches, like you figure it out. You, you, you mm-hmm. talk about you, you talk about what you know how to do, which you know yeah. coaching flaws a lot of times, but sometimes they work. <laughs> so that that's kind of the transition 
out of the game back into it. And that was the whole process of trying to, I mean, I sent out emails and phone calls and resumes to everybody. And the, the story of actually getting the job is pretty wild, but I don't know if you well, I'd be down. I very much looking forward to hearing that. I just want to interject very briefly because it, but when I hear you answer that question, it sounds almost like you're becoming a like you're like you're a player again in the fact that you have to find your identity in a bit of a sense. Like you have to find out what you're good at and then really hone in on that and make that part of like, okay, I'm a coach, right? Everyone, you know, you could be a coach, but what does that mean? It's like there's so many different styles of coach. There's so many different styles of players. That's kind of the parallel, you know, that I'm trying to make here. So I'm just, I'm basically saying, I guess for those young coaches, it's like, you just have to find your sort of style and your edge and what, what works for you basically. Right. Is that kind of like what it was like in those first couple of years of being a coach? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you play, you, you know, that there's different kinds of coaches and, and sometimes we've only had the same kind of coach. Right. I mean, I had the same mm -hmm. kind of coach for quite a few years two different guys and it was like great guys but for me and my style of like learning and I was a I'm gonna do it myself I'm gonna fix it I'm gonna I'm gonna make it to the big leagues on my own like mm -hmm. it's a good trait but at the same time that could hinder you as well but if you're also that player that just takes in information from everyone you're like you're constantly just in the wind and you don't have yeah. that like that drive and I'm gonna get it done so I need, I didn't have that. So when coaches would tell me, do this, do that, change this, you need to be doing this. Like, I'm like, I'm having success. Why would I change what I'm doing right now? Like mm. having a really good year. I personally, I can relate to that. So I didn't want to be mm -hmm. that coach. It's do it my way or the highway type of thing. Right. Yeah. And even though they're well-intentioned, it just, I didn't resonate with me. So I knew as a coach that that was one thing I was going to, was going to give my players a little bit of freedom, mm -hmm. but when they're scuffling and they're struggling, when I see something glaring, it was like, of course I'm jumping in. I'm going to show them, I'm going to give them the why and then the how, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It's super important. And so, yeah, the, the coaching style and figuring that out was early on. I'm just like, I literally said in that first meeting, when I got my first spring training, I'm like, they were. They told me just watch bullpens. Just watch them. You don't need to say anything. Just watch them. These kids are coming in. It's their first or second pin. Like whatever. You don't need to like coach right now. Just watch. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, learn what's going on. And so that was really helpful back then. And now it's a little bit more overwhelming with all the, you know, with all the things we have going on. But yeah, coaching, still coaching and people are still people. So well, it's a balance too, right? Of um, having all this information, knowing what to do with it. And then also the flip side, which is just communicating it, you know, just being able yeah. to, to get through to a player. Right. And at least in my experience from that player perspective, I found that the very successful coaches, the coaches that a lot of players like they're able to communicate in different ways. They're able to, um, in a way, wear a bunch of different hats in that they can they right. can change up the way that they uh, right. coach a player. So, I mean, 
it sounds like that's something too, because you've you've taken that from your experience, you know, the style that maybe um, didn't fit you so much. And you said, okay, I'm going to be the other side of that. But I'm sure in your experience, you've also found that sometimes you have to be that uh, coach that you were coached by, you know, because some players also really like having some direction too. Yeah. So. No, for sure. I mean, the players, I've had players come in in a new season and, maybe they've been with really good coaches in the past, like friends of mine. And then now I have them mm-hmm. in triple A and I had a guy this year come up to me and goes badge. I need you to be really direct with me. I need you to get in my face. I need you to jump my ass if, if I need it mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't dick take well to, if you know, just passive coaching. Like I need it. Yeah. To get and I'm like, great. Love it. So like, I try to ask my guys, like what kind of player, or what kind of person, how do you receive, information you know i don't i don't test them or anything but that is a good idea to have like sort of personality or uh test for your players <laughs> how do you yeah. respond to coaching and mm-hmm. but but it's very helpful to know that you know yeah and it could be difficult though i'm just thinking again from the player perspective for you know younger players too who maybe um they go on a like a visit like a college visit right and then they love the school oh. and they're like okay i'm gonna go to the school great show up to the school and it's just not a personality fit for you and the pitching coach. And at college, it's just the pitching coach. You know, most programs don't have multiple guys on that side uh, of the ball. So then it's like, okay, what do I do here? Like, do I change how I get coached? Like, do, do I need to yeah. try to change them? Because some, uh, you and I both know, they're a little bit more sturdy and stubborn in the way that they're going to do things. So, I, you know. That it's tough um, because I and I know you have a, a son who plays baseball as well, or at least I'm presuming that he's still playing baseball. Um, yeah, because it can be definitely it can be really tough for those young kids to like navigate how to you know work through something like that, right? I mean, what would be what would be you know, and this might be a tough question, but like, what would be your advice for you know indirectly your son, but also other players in terms of navigating something like that where you might have. Uh, a lack of a, you know, immediate spark with a, with like a pitching coach, for example. Yeah. I mean, I don't have an example with my son, but I, I've told him the mm-hmm. same. My daughter plays softball too. And mm. she's had coaches where she just, I mean, at 14 years old, like doesn't, it's not high school yet. And it's not, you know, anything major. It's just basically a dad or a mom mm-hmm. or whatever, a coach. And I mean, she's been around me. She's been around my teachings and my other coaches that, you know, have shown her some things hitting wise. And Mm. so she's seen good coaches and then to go to just a random dude coaching her travel team or whatever. It's like, dad, I got a hard time. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like Mm. he's telling me swing straight down on the ball. I'm like, yeah. Oh, (laughs) I said, well, listen, you know how to swing, you know how to hit, you know what we've talked about. When you're when you're with that person, you got to respect them. They may not always be right, but their intentions are right, okay? So you mm-hmm. have to see through what they're saying. Just work with them and you know, a lot of times it's just get your hands up, not swing down and that's what they're saying. So like for sure. example, that's that's quite a bit with her. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean what are you going to do? I, I don't want my kids just bailing unless it's a really bad situation, you know, and yeah. they're still young enough. It's not college yet, but you know, that is, that is the game today. It's the transfer portal. And I'm not happy I'm leaving and I get it. 
it's a, it's a good option. I, I just I, I'm not in the college game, so I don't. You know, yeah, yeah. All, but it would seem really frustrating, and it's like really easy to leave. But I do understand, and it's a, it is a good option for players these days. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll bring this back to the kind of pro setting because um, we're seeing it trickle down as well. The information dense sort of dynamic, like I'm talking about here, with a lot of younger players having that at their disposal, you know, consuming that information and, uh, uh, you know, kind of self-coaching in a way. So then when you come in and maybe you say something that's different or um, they come in and they have something they want to try and it's not, it doesn't align necessarily with what you're, with what you're trying to do with that person, uh, that player. Um, has that, has that like affected the way that you coach maybe uh, in just in terms of that changing dynamic of players are now like armed with a lot more information. And then they're also probably more curious as to like, okay, I have my side. I, I can prove it. Like, yeah. let me hear your side too. Let's prove it. You know, like yeah. let's, let's talk about it, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it's, it's definitely different, right? I mean, I've, 13 years, I've seen a bunch of different transitions where you see players are completely self-reliant on the coach, you know, mm-hmm. come to you for help on everything. And then it's like, you see stuff getting introduced in them, whatever, late 2000s, 2010s and 15s, you know, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot more on Twitter and all that. And then now it's, yeah, players are their own coaches. They're spending their whole off season or they got their personal coaches at tread mm-hmm. or driveline or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's, it's all good. Like get better, be the best you can be. Right. Yes. As professional coaches, we're, we're not like jealous of that or anything. It's, it's, we just want to be part of it. Like, this mm-hmm. is our time is up. We're here to get you to the big leagues. We're here to help you stick in the big leagues. And, you know, that's like, that's my goal. So, mm-hmm. as far as that goes, it does make it harder because they think it feels like the player doesn't need you sometimes. Mm. Most of them all still do. I mean, I got, I have a couple of, some veterans in my pen that are super smart, smarter than I am. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Book smart. I'm not saying baseball smart, sure. but they also know their baseball s- skills and everything that goes along with it. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of like I bring alongside these guys that are, that are in that place. though, and I'll say, Hey, help me with this guy, you know? And it's like, I got a little assistant pitching coach now. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, but but if you show any sort of like knock it off, stop coaching, stop helping that guy, like screw that. Like that's yeah, really cool that he's helping his teammate develop a new pitch or whatever. Yeah. And so it's it's our job as coaches to not be threatened by that. It's just come alongside it. Mm-hmm. I, I learn from my players too. And in that way, I think there's trust built because otherwise it's like, well, that guy's not open minded. He's just wants to do it his way and all that so yeah it's it's an interesting dynamic for sure um there's definitely less reliance on coaches these days um but that's the fun part of the job for me it's like okay Mm -hmm. well these guys are smarter they know more they have more information they're digging in what what am i doing to keep up you know yeah Um, because even stuff i don't like or or teachers online i may not agree with or like i can still sure. take information bits and pieces and i mean we all do that yeah um so but yeah it's it's an interesting dynamic for sure yeah yeah 
you don't have to agree with things too. You can just, but it helps to understand them. That's definitely yeah. a big part of it. And I know in my experience, uh, especially with a lot of younger players, both in pro and uh, like in college, uh, it seems like most of them just want to kind of be respected, you know, and understood as opposed to this idea of I'm the coach, I'm here and you're the player, you're down here. Yeah. The coaches that are very much like, look, we're on the, we're, we're all talking about baseball, right? This is your career and I'm just helping you. Like, yeah, make it, you know, <laughs> make it better like that, that sort of relationship where it feels very level and um, mutual in terms of the respect. It seems those are a lot easier to, at least for me to have. Uh, and for the staffs that I've been on uh, just for players to get along with that coach better. So I don't know yeah. when that dynamic changed either. I don't know if that is like a new thing or if that's just becoming more common or it's becoming more prevalent because of media Mm. Um, and the, like what you're talking about with tread as well, like with these third party sources of kind of coaches, I mean, it does seem like it's, it's for the better though, in a sense, like it is, it, it is a, a dynamic that should be more common. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're covering all your bases, man. You're, you're, you're checking every box. You're like, where can we get this guy better? Where are we missing? Yeah. Like, it could be the smallest thing. And so we can't just guess anymore you know there's too much information out there yes yeah absolutely you know what let's go back to um how you got that uh how you got your job with the Diamondbacks in the first place because I do kind of want to go back into the you know the development of that and because it started what uh 2011 so in 2010 mm -hmm. I I told my buddy I was going to be going back into baseball and I like you know it was a hard decision because I love what I, those people and all that but mm -hmm. Um, he totally understood. Anyway, so I went back to my JUCO in California while I was living in Tucson, Arizona. So my wife and newborn were there. Mm -hmm. Um, my two young kids, sorry, at that point, because it was 2010. Anyways, so I went eight hours back to where I used to grow up, went to junior college. Mm -hmm. The coach was like, Go, do your thing, be the pitching coach. Like, yeah. It's free reign, man, like experiment, you know, I'm like, sweet. So I left my family and went back and lived in my, my mom's house. Like it was, I didn't know how long this was going to last. The family yeah. was going to come out later, but it was just still, it was like, all right, let's do this. Let's find a way. So I'm in California coach. Yes. I'm still sending out resumes and all this stuff. And one of the guys I used to play for is now the like minor league uh, player development guy. Mm. He was the field coordinator for the Diamondbacks. And he goes, Hey, come on down. Um, we're having a mini camp because come talk to us, you know, uh, I'll help you out, see if I can direct in any way. And it was Mike Bell, who was a good friend of mine who recently passed. Um, mm. Yeah, it was he was the bench coach for the Twins when he passed a year and a half ago. And uh, so anyways, I go down to the field. He, I'm wearing like, you know, shorts and collared shirt, nothing special, tennis shoes. Not, it wasn't an interview. It was just a casual see my buddy again and yeah so we go to the office with the pitching coordinator in the in the field um the the pd the head of the pd mike Berger. Mm -hmm. we sit down he's like so what do you want to do in baseball i was like i don't know man pitching coach in some regard you know i don't know i said i just need to get back in and figure it out and he's like all right well we don't have anything right now obviously but you know stuff comes up hmm. so mike Berger, who i didn't know him or at all and he's just really kind of ah, out there funny guy okay direct and he goes what are you what are you doing right now though i'm like well i'm coaching right now trying to get my feet wet and i'm sending out resumes he's like sending out resumes i get a resume and an email i delete it right away 
<laughs> no one's reading email resumes. He said, the only resume I'm going to read is if you send in a pizza box, because I'm opening a pizza. And I go, and I, you know, we're just all laughing, whatever. Oh, man. So like two months go by. I'm still mm. out coaching Riverside. And I go, you know what? I'm going to be funny guy. I'm going to go to Domino's. I got a medium pizza box, like empty. They just gave me one. I oh, put boy. like 10 resumes in it. I wrote a note. I was like, hey, Mike, I hope you enjoy the whatever, the pizza. This is the only way you're going to read this anyways. And whatever. I FedExed it for like 10, 11 bucks, you know? Oh, and my I go, gosh. Hopefully this is the best 10 bucks I ever spent. Yeah. I don't hear nothing for weeks. And I'm like, dang, man, at least I thought I'd get a, a laugh out of it. And so I'm at my, I'm back in Riverside. I'm at my mom's house. It's 11 o'clock at night. And I get a phone call from him and I'm like, he's on badge. That was the funniest damn thing I've ever seen. I go, oh, he got it. He's like, I've been on the road for three weeks. I just got back in the office and I got a FedEx. I opened it up and I was crying. You know, he's like, hey, we got some stuff in the works. There's going to be a guy calling next week. And it was a it was very mock interview thing. But he basically just offered me a job like wow, within 10 minutes. So. It was just a, to get a smile and it like, I don't know. That's that great. Wow. It's a, it's I mean, story, well, it's also a, just a good testament to like the, the person is like the most important thing, right? It's, you know, you could have had some more accolades or whatever it is. You could have had some more experience, right? But it's the gesture that you made that went so far above all that. For him, where he's like, yeah, yeah, this this would make sense. Like, this is a fit. This is <laughs> this is who I want to hire. This kind of person. That's so uh, funny. Yeah. Oh man. So okay. Um. Wow. So what was your first position then? Uh, I was a pitching coach in the Arizona League for a couple of years. Okay. So yeah, I was 2011. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we had the same coaches in there for about three, four, five years, and it was kind of a log jam. So I was in the Arizona League for three years. Went to Missoula, which was rookie ball, for two more years. Mm -hmm. So I did extended for five years, which was whew, that heat, man. It's rough. But good, good, good experience for me. Like, I may mm -hmm. not have needed five years, but it still taught me a lot. And then I went to Visalia, California, in the Cal League for three straight years. Mm. And then, yeah, finally in 21, I went to Reno. So so I skipped low A and I skipped double A, but I did spend some consecutive years in places. So as a young coach, what were you most worried about not being super on top of? Because I, I would imagine a, like a lot of young coaches, you know, that's all you guys can do is just worry about things because, you know, you've never done it before. You're new. Um, the biggest one was just like, I mean, it sounds silly, but just, you know, the way guys moved. I don't like mm. using mechanics nowadays, but it was mechanics back then. I like, you know, movement, movement patterns, whatever. But, yeah, I didn't know. I never thought of that when I played. I never, ever thought about how I moved. I just threw it as hard as I could. I was very raw. Yeah. I was a two-way guy in college. So, yes. and I was really a position player over a pitcher. So, I would literally come in from right and just blow as hard as I could. And so, I never really – you know, cared about how I moved. It's just go as fast as I can, as hard as I can. So I was a little back then I was concerned with not knowing anything to do with that. 
Hmm. And then also running a game, taking pictures out, you know, like when do you make the change? I had no idea. Like I never even thought about that. I never asked my yeah. coaches. It's just looks easy. Yeah, you take a mountain visit, get someone going, right? But man, yeah. the game speeds up on the other side. It's different in the dugout. Oh yeah, I can't. You know, the timing, imagine. not 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 dry humping guys, not guys blowing guys out two, three times a game. You know, it's like uh-huh. And then then no having the patience. Like I had a, a good friend of mine, his name is Gil Heredia. I would watch him in spring mm-hmm. training. He pitched for the A's and Giants for quite a while. And uh coming into spring training, I'm like, you know, let's say a pitcher has 30 max in an inning in spring, and mm-hmm. I mean I'm at like 15 going, should I get him going? Should I get him hot? You know, I don't know my first spring training. And he's like, what are you talking about? You got plenty of time. And so he's like at 21, 22 pitches and I'm just panicking. I'm kind of like shadowing him for the day. Yeah. And he goes, he, he, you know, walkies down. All right, get him going. Takes him out and visit. He still got like six, seven pitches and it was like plenty of time. And he's so calm. And I'm just like, man, and I'm sitting here just my heart's racing, you know, Again, first year coach, not now. Yeah, yeah. And I think this kind of the lesson behind that story is just it just takes experience. Like you just got to yeah. do it. Like you got to fail sometimes too, you know? Yeah. That's sure. at least that's what it sounds like. And it, it kind of, again, it parallels the player. It's like sometimes you just got to fail to learn. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. And believe it or not, like we don't see it, but they fail in the big leagues all the time. Coaching decisions, pitching change decisions. I'm not saying all the time, but it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you'll see a guy occasionally call a guy in the game, and there's not even a guy warming up, or that guy's not down there, or you know what I mean? I think it happened last year. I'm not going to talk about that, but point <laughs> is, mistakes are always made. You mm-hmm. get a lot better at it, though, as you go, of course. Yeah. Good- I think, yeah. And I think the, the best coaches, the best players, too. They know how to handle that failure in the sense that they don't, you know, dwell on it for too long or what, you know, whatever it is like your, uh, your grit, your mental toughness, your resilience, all those fun buzzwords, you know, yeah. th- they're good at that. Right. Um, and I'm sure you've had your fair share of fair share of failures. It's a mouthful, but can you, uh, can you just elaborate a little bit on how you can get better at that because it's really not that easy. Like some players, and you know, I'm no, I'm not perfect either. We might really dwell on, you know, a certain failure. You know, there might be something that's just looming over us that we don't, you know, we can't get it out of our minds or we can't overcome it, you know, but I'd imagine you have, you know, some level of knowledge on how to deal with failure. Uh, yeah. I mean, the coaching side of it's a little different because you're not like, I failed today or we lost. It's like, you're going to lose in the minor leagues. There's 150 games, you know, but yeah, the, the quote unquote failures on my side of it mm-hmm. are when a player is not succeeding or he's just, you know, mentally gone. And yeah, it's like, okay, how can I, how can I help this guy when I've tried to exhaust every Avenue already? Like what else can we do? You know? And you know, that one's a tougher one because I, those weigh heavy on me. Like I want to help the kids so bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know to simplify this or not, but as a, as a player, I mean, I see it. This is a like triple A is a tough level because you got guys that have, a lot of guys have been up mm-hmm. and then back down. And some guys are really, really close and some guys deserve a shot and they 
there's no spot right now, you know, like, so it's that level where guys are any mistake I make, I'm, I'm, I can't make a mistake. Right. Cause they're going to think I'm not an option now. I'm not a big league option now. So those times and, and come along players in that area for, for me, it, it just, it gets back to like the work involved. And it's like, because you can get comfortable in a long season too. And, yeah. and you may stray from the, the small things. I mean, I heard some podcast, I think it was by Vassal player. Uh, was it? I don't know, but he just said like, something like stack reps you know like or stack days like continue to stack days like mm. and at the end of the year if you keep stacking days meaning putting in the work putting in the small things the the whatever it is for that player like some guys need a little bit of dry work you know i'm not sure we don't do a lot of that in triple a but some guys just need to get back to flowing and moving down the mound and just feeling good about themselves because yeah. that leads to confidence mm-hmm. like those reps lead to you feeling better about yourself, which leads to confidence, which leads right into the game. So, like, a lot of the guys that are, quote-unquote, failing here or struggling, it's it's getting back to the basics. Like, what are you not doing that you used to be doing? Or what mm-hmm. can we do to get, regain some confidence where it's not just result-oriented on the mound, you know? Yeah. And that's the hardest one. Those are hard for players to buy in at this level because they don't want – some guys don't want to do the small things. They're boring. That's what I did in rookie ball, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, we're dealing with some of that right now, honestly, with some guys like. Sure. And it's, I mean, I'll give you an example. Early in the year, we had a guy that was 102 in our bullpen. Mm-hmm. And he was actually called up this year. But his beginning of the year story was incredible as far as he was terrible. He was walking everybody. He was getting hit. Throwing 100, 102, I'm not joking, with a nasty secondary pitch. I'll say that, not to give him away. Sure. It doesn't really matter if I do. He wouldn't care. But, um, I mean, he had like a 27 ERA, and I'm not – like 10 innings. It was starting to stack up. Like, he had like three games yeah. and four runs or more. Mm. I was like, what is going on with this kid? Because he was dominant for me in the year before in high A. And I'm just like, what is going on? And I walk into the stadium one day. I mean, it was 11:45, and we, you know, we don't throw till 2:45 or whatever. Yeah. And I look down in the bullpen because when you walk in our stadium, you can see her pen, mm. and he's down there on the mound, just kind of like going through his delivery. And I'm like, oh boy, like seriously, like mm. do something different, like change, like. It doesn't always matter what it is that we do. It's to do something different. And mm. so, like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go down there with him that day. I just let him do his thing. Hmm. But the second day I walk in, same thing. He's down there. I'm like, it's awesome. I love this kid. So I go down there with him, and he's just, you know, flustered and lost. And we, uh, he's struggling throwing strikes. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't bad misses, but it was just like a lot of close off plate. So I set up this pad it was like a green soft pad from the from the outfield wall that was extra yeah and i i we were started throwing against it and then i took some spray paint and i spray painted a a ball-sized white mark literally the size of a baseball hmm. i said we're not leaving here until you hit this three times in a row and it was tiny you know and so then i started throwing with him we were playing a game and i was you know hmm. i kind of hit it a few times before he did and then he started getting pissed and then he just Boom, 
I mean, he hit like three times in a row and the paint was still wet and the seams were like on the white pad. Mm. Honestly, this is four months ago. That's still in our bullpen with the seams in the spray paint on that little mark. Yeah. So it's a constant reminder of like, dude, you freaking dotted that thing like three times in Ooh. a row. Yeah. And there was just, we were just having fun getting his mind off it, but it was like, this is how mm. simple it is. Just hit the glove, right? And I'm not kidding. Irony or whatever. I don't think it was ironic. <clears throat> he went on a run of like, I think it was, I don't know. It was like 17 consecutive scoreless outings. And he f- was dominating again. He still had some walks, but he, was, he wasn't he was letting anyone in. And hmm. he got called up like this month. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not that it's going to happen every time. Yeah. But he changed. And with that, his mindset changed and was like, okay, now I could turn the corner and start fresh and let's go. So, Oof. I don't know how we got all the way to that story, but it was it's my my favorite memory of this year so far. That's it. There's a lot to unpack there, by the way. I mean, you're talking about like the game within a game, first of all. Um, <laughs> like that is that was probably it right there. I mean, yeah. you kind of walk through a lot of the stages of um kind of facing that harsh reality, especially in the upper minors, of there's a lot of things you can't control. And the more you've focus your time and allow those uncontrollables to dictate um, where your emotions take you and, you know, in turn your actions, you know, leading into the actions that you take, you're going to be, you're going to be riding a slippery slope more times than not. It's going to be a lot more difficult to stay level-headed and, and consistent and probably pitch at your peak performance, like you said, being a little bit too result oriented. So then on the flip side, it's okay. Yeah. We have things that we can't control. Let's really hone in on those. Let's figure out what those things are. And like you said, change, like if there's something I can control and I've been doing it for a while and things just aren't going well, maybe we change something here. You know, maybe we figure out something like a place where I went wrong and we just make a change. Like you said, the basics too, because people, uh, you know, especially like even in my position, you know, I'm like, okay, what are the guys doing AAA, right? That are so, it's so different, right? You know, there yeah. must be something we don't know about, you know, kids in college too, they might hear something about the pros. There's, oh, there's something we don't know about that they're doing. That's just, it's almost like magic, you know, like it's so unknown. Yeah. And it's, from at least from what I'm hearing, it's, <laughs> it's funny because there really is no like magic, you know, it's, it's not any different, right? It's really just more the approach to it. It's the it's the mental, it's the mental just fortitude, honestly, to with withstand some struggle, to acknowledge that it's there, withstand it, and then use that. And going back to the you know the uh, uncontrollables to not let those affect you too much. Yeah. That's I don't good. know. I mean, that's what I'm getting from. No. That's <laughs> it, really good. I mean, it's true. I mean, you nailed it. It is. It's it's approach. It's it's consistency, and it's not getting too high or too low. I mean, it's it's pretty mm-hmm. simple, and I think we all know it. But it's actually doing it and like applying it in our game because yeah. I mean, I got guys that say they do that, but they they don't or they don't truly believe it, you know. But 
Like the veteran guys. I got a veteran yeah. pitching the big leagues for eight years. Hmm. Like in the playoffs, in the World Series, and he's in AAA right now trying to get back. And, I mean, he gave up a tough run the night to tie the game in the eighth. Um, but both pitches were good pitches, were hit softly right into where our, our infielder wasn't. And he tied the game, and it was like, gah. And that's a run on his ERA and all that stuff. But it's like mm-hmm. – and he's he's pissed because mm-hmm. for the team, but at the same time he knows he did what he's supposed to do. And I'm like mm-hmm. – and the next day he comes in and he's smiling and he's over it. Like like the consistency Oof. of that, knowing that I did what I was supposed to do, didn't work out tonight, but we got 150 more games or whatever. Like that's the hardest thing to, to just let it go at, at the lower levels because I remember when I was in A-ball, and I got called up double A just to fill in one time, not not for a I earned it yet. Sure. And I was thought I was going to the big leagues. Like I thought double A was that level where it was just all right, I'm there. I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. And I was so intimidated. And I wasn't a young kid. I mean, I was 23, 24. And I went and filled in, got sent back down. But once I was there, I was like, oh, same guys. They're just a little older than me. <laughs> so, <Some of them, laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So no, then I do. But, but then when I got the triple, I was like, whatever. It, like it wasn't the same as double A. Double A was the big one for me. The biggest know. jump. It felt it just felt like that in my mind, you know. Yeah. It's kind of funny though. It is all in your mind, right? In a sense. Yes, it it, it is. <laughs> yeah. Because it's no different, really. It's funny though, because you mentioned it. It's really it's not easy to be able to have a bad outing and flush it the next day and then walk in that door with, you know, a smile on your face. That's not something that's not easy to do. No, 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 it's I, not, but you can do it. You know, there's nothing stopping you at the same time from doing it. Right. Right. Okay. Well, if you don't though, you're still wild? carrying it. You're still carrying it. And then you're going out there and there's doubt, like the mm-hmm. next outing, you know, like I get it. It happens. It happened to me too, but I I tried to like get it all out that night before and like come in the next day like fresh. I mean, I gave up remember my first full season opening night. Mm. We're facing the Myrtle Beach. Is that where you are? Myrtle Beach? I was in Myrtle Beach, yeah. Pelicans. I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah. So we're facing we're up two to one in the ninth. This mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Adam LaRoche comes up against me with the bases loaded. It's tough to hit a home run on Myrtle Beach back when I played. It was like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Opening night, I give up a walk-off grand slam to Adam LaRoche to dead center. So I got two-thirds of an inning and a, you know, a 54-year A or whatever that is. Yeah. And I remember walking back like three miles to the hotel, and I'm just walking because I'm just distraught. Oh. But I do know the next day I came in and I was like, screw it. I'm let's go, let's start a new streak here. Mm. Mm. But um, yeah. It's funny because now we're diving into um, another section of like the mental side of it or whatever and emotions, right? Because I've always been the type to just like be very flatlined in the sense that you have no idea what I'm feeling. Like I'm always trying to look very stoic on the mount, you know, and not and like I'm almost not I'm not even trying to like use even if I'm shoving like you don't know it like that's that's my goal. At least maybe I'm a little more expressive than than I you know, and trying to make it seem, but some people are like that. They're a little more stoic, very, very flat line. You never know. And then yeah. others, they, they use that emotion. You know, they, they, they use the, the sway of the game, the intensity, 
um, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But I feel like there is a component too where pitchers, at least you know, more advanced pitchers, they know how to use that. They know how to use that the the intensity of the game, and as opposed to um, letting it you know overcome them with anxiety and fear and whatever you know, getting overwhelmed, yeah. they're able to say like, okay, yes, I'm welcoming this. I can. Uh, use this to my advantage was that ever something you had to focus on or something you you know ever used or were you a little bit more like me in the flatline sense I was not a flatline guy I wish I could say okay okay uh you know what like like I said I was a two-way guy so I had a lot of that college kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna do that you know I'm just gonna run through a wall type of guy and I took that to the mound I didn't I didn't know any Mm. better and I'm not saying it was bad we're good it's just who I was, you know, and I, when I got into pro ball, I think I calmed down a little bit because I was sitting a lot more often, you know, every three days I'm pitching or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was like when I got that ninth inning or eighth inning or whatever, it was like, you are going down. Like I was, I kind of was like, you know, not a bull on the mound, but, you know, I had to snort and like, let's go. Yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah. I was trying to give off the, dude, I don't want to face this guy's 94, 95, whatever. Yeah, and now that's by the way nothing. But shoot, it was <laughs> it was really hard back then. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it 20, was. 23 years ago, which is crazy to say that right now. But yeah, uh, I, I had a little more energy and emotion, and I it's the only thing I knew how to do. It's the way I knew. But when I got to the big leagues, I I carried some of that, just trying to have like a look about me, something in my eye. Mm. But I did totally calm down as far as. Okay, I'm pitching in blowouts now. I'm the mop-up guy. Um, it's not a good look as a young kid come up here. I'm not throwing 100, so it's not like – so I tried to actually be a little more stoic and a little more just super calm, mm. which is funny because I was trying to give off I belong here I'm, and not yeah. be who I was. And that's that's yeah. actually part of my biggest story is I, I, I did not pitch who I really was up there, not because not mm. I sucked. Just I tried to change for the catchers. The game situations was different, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sorry, go. No, no, I'm done. Um, so it's funny. I do want to make this distinction because um, at first, you know, you responding to that question, people might think like, okay, so I was the more stoic kind. You were the more expressive kind. We're different. But yeah. we're actually very similar in the sense that we both had to figure out a way to lock in. We kind of yeah. had to, we had to, you know, channel that. I hate to say it. It's like an alter ego in a sense, right? Of like, yeah. oh, we've, we've got it. We've got to find a, a new gear to just get into when we hop on the mound. Yeah. And the best pitchers, oh, the, they can get in that gear. Like they, they're mm-hmm. not the same when they hop off the mound, you know, like they hop off the mound. Yeah. If they're still pitching, they're still locked in. They're still, they're still a different person when their outing's done. Okay. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. They're done. They yeah. need, they need, a, need a minute to cool down, you know, too. Um, yeah. But, and we've all met those guys, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You've got to, you've got to find a gear to kind of find yourself um, easily being able to get into and one that helps you lock in. It sounds like for you, at least looking in retrospect, uh, this is what I'm hearing is that you had that gear, you had that, that um, alter ego, and then getting to the big leagues, we'll just call it a new level. You know, it took it took that away from you. You you thought you had to change that in a sense. I feel like that's yeah. a common thing for a lot of players too. 
maybe not going from AAA to the bigs, but even high school, college, you know, uh, a smaller yeah. role to a bigger role, even um, low A to high A. You know what I mean? Yeah, you think you have to change because, like we talked about, we think the levels or the schools or the divisions are mm. change what you have to do, or they're better than you at that level, and you you have to be who you are and wherever you're going, man. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that's the one thing. Like, I think I was trying to count the other day how many guys that I got to tell, like, you're going to the big leagues, like their mm. first call up. Like, I literally got to share with a person their dream in life. And I got to go, you get to go. Like, I'm not granting them a wish, but I got to be the one to share the best news of their life so far for most of them. Mm. And I'm like, that, that is what I love about my job. Like Mm. is seeing that, like what other job has that? I mean, I I don't even know, like it doesn't matter, but my point is, I don't think there's really any. That was my dream since I was eight years old to be a big leaguer. And when I got told that was the biggest thing in my life. So you have to assume that most of these guys, that's their biggest moment. Mm-hmm. Aside from getting married or having a kid, right? If that hasn't happened yet. But sure. So I get to share in that moment with them. Like, what a great job. And so in that, it's I have to take my experience and go, look, I did this. And I knew if I could go back, I would never change who I was. Mm-hmm. If I was going to succeed or fail, I'm going to be who I am. And that doesn't mean be a jerk. I'm still going to be a great teammate and all that. It's just on the mound, you know, in yes. the box, whatever. Don't change. It's still baseball being thrown or coming at you. You got to hit or throw it. It's it's no different. Your job is to beat the other guy. So, like, that's my yeah. advice to anyone that gets that call is, like, when you get there, don't change who you are. Be a great teammate, and you better walk in the door and go introduce yourself to the manager. <laughs> you know seriously that's like all i say but yeah um, but it's it's big advice man i mean that's the experience portion of the game where you know we have as coaches where it's still valuable you know yeah yeah i mean a younger uh listener might not think that it's valuable for them right now right they might i mean i'm just guessing i know i did that when i was young like when i was younger it was like oh okay i don't have to you know introduce myself or like, you know, put on, put on the, like, I didn't understand that. Right. But yeah. it doesn't go unnoticed. That's for sure. Not at, not in professional, non-college, not really anywhere. It, it, it gets noticed. Like it's a big thing. And, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not really asking like when you figure that out or if that's a, a big deal, but you like, it's pretty impactful, right? It, it's, it's like, it's a useful thing. Like it's a, it's an important piece of the game that I feel like it's, it's just not so uh, looked upon, or at least it kind of goes unnoticed a little bit in a mm-hmm. sense, maybe is like, okay, what kind of teammate are you? What kind of person are you? You don't, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can just elaborate on that for your, like your experiences or anything like that. But yeah. uh, I mean, no, that's, I mean, look, coaches talk, man. We, I mean, it's not yeah. like we're awesome about our players, but, like everybody knows who the good teammates are. And then the guys that are kind of, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> kind of tools or not the greatest, don't have the greatest awareness of what they do or how they act or come off. Yeah. Like, I don't expect anyone to be perfect, but let's just have some person, personality about yourself, have some self-awareness, mm-hmm. care about other people. Like mm. you 
get out of your own little tunnel sometimes as far as that goes, you know? Um, sure. And, and gosh, man, it makes such a big deal to coaches and, and to your teammates. But like, that was the biggest thing that Mike Bell, like I told you, he's my friend that passed and one of the most impactful men in my life. Mm -hmm. he, he would always say, be a good teammate. And at first I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I know I was a good teammate. I know I'm a good teammate as a coach, but what does that mean to people that don't know what that means or they think mm. they're good teammates, but they're terrible people. Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, yeah, it, it's not that hard. It, it's really not. And it makes the biggest difference in the world. I mean, yeah, I have, I have a, a good teammate story and it involves me. And I don't mean to, brag about myself it's more of a funny story so, yeah, yeah. so in 2005 big league camp i went to big league spring training with the white Sox. i was called up for the first time the year before mm -hmm. so i'm still like new but i'm a little more comfortable now um but literally my first spring training big league camp because i didn't even go prior to my call up mm -hmm. and at the time we had just gotten a uh, japanese closer his name was shingo takatsu takatsu whatever and apparently all the White Sox coaches would go to this little hole in the wall sushi place in Tucson where we had spring. And every night they'd go to this sushi place. It felt like, right. Hmm. And I saw them there once kind of low key. And I kind of just got out of there, whatever they're in the back. And so then a couple weeks go by and my family comes into town. I go, Oh, there's this great sushi place. Let's go. It's a hole in the wall. It's the best I've ever had. I'm like, I know those coaches just went there, so they're probably not going tonight because I don't want to run in the coaches outside of the field. Oh, no. So I go with my family, and as I – we're sitting in the back, and all of a sudden I see like 10 coaches walk in. And I'm like, oh, crap. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but the whole point of the story was the day prior in a meeting, um, Ozzy Ginn goes – to Shingo Takatsu, this Japanese guy who also frequented the same place. He saw the coaches in there the day before, didn't buy him a drink, didn't offer him, to, didn't say hi, didn't, you know, do anything. So the next day in the meeting, Ozzy again goes, Hey, you see coaches out in public, you see them at a bar, you see them in a restaurant, send them a drink, say hello, like be a good teammate, you know, something like he said something like that. And I was mm -hmm. like, cool. So the next day with my family, I go, Yeah, knowing this. And I'm like, they're not going to be there. He just told this story <laughs> yesterday. We walk in and see him. And I go, crap. I'm a minor league, career minor league. I don't need money. Like, yeah, yeah. So I just get the waitress over and I go, hey, whatever those guys are drinking, just send them another one, you know? And I'm like, this is going to be $100 at least, but whatever. It's going to be worth it, hopefully. And so the yeah. next day, yep. <laughs> pre stretch meeting, Ozzy Gann brings everybody up. And he, he used to call me, my name is Badge, which is my nickname. Yeah, he called me Benji because he couldn't say my name, and he brings everyone up. He's like, "Hey, Benji did, did it right. He's a good teammate right there. He bought all those drinks, and you know, and he told <laughs> this whole story in front of the whole team. And I'm just sitting here going, oh, gosh, maybe this will buy me a few more days in camp, though.' You know? Oh my gosh, yeah, that's you know what though, it, it you were faced with with literally the exact situation of the day before and you were like okay i got a decision to make i'm either going to make the right decision you know I, I could easily ignore it you know i could easily just not do the right thing and maybe they don't notice me but but you did you know so that's fine that's a good little story though for sure i, 
I honestly wouldn't have known to do that if he hadn't mentioned it or a veteran wouldn't have told me like, this is just what you do. I'm like, cause I didn't, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're new, yeah, you definitely just don't know the, the customs of, of the environment that you're in for sure. So yeah, you got to assimilate in a way, you know, I remember when I had to go um, like, so I went to uh, Santa Clara, my freshman year, I was hurt the entire year, decided to go junior college, go get some innings, get healthy, get some innings. And just being in a junior college atmosphere, I never thought I'd be in junior college my whole life. I was so above it, you know, mentally. <laughs> and yeah, I just, that was my ego. And when that ego got taken back down into like, no, 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 we're going to humble you. You're going to go to junior college. Um, just that environment of like having to earn everything. And then also just learn like a whole new group of people that had already all known each other pretty much. And like, you basically, yeah, like had to assimilate in a way you had to become part of something a little bit bigger than yourself. You know, I learned the very valuable lesson of like, okay, it's not all about you. Like you're here to help the team. You know, this isn't just about you. You're here with a bigger group, you know, fulfilling or serving a bigger purpose than yourself. So, I mean, I guess it's a little bit similar in that sense, but um, in both, in both of those kind of um, stories, it's like, you got to take care of your own. You know, you got, you got to be there for other people. Right. Yeah. But, and you know what, we, we, you glossed over the transfer portal thing with junior college. And I remember you went to junior college and, you know, me being a Juco guy too. um, Like that is such a, to me, a wild dynamic that is like still very like um, not controversial necessarily, but ever changing, I guess, in a way is, um, just like, just how much the transfer portal has affected junior college. And I mean, for me personally, I feel like more people should be going junior college. Um, I feel like that, that is such a valuable like point yeah. in your life too to go junior college. Cause you did the same thing too, right? Like you went yeah. to one school, it was UC Riverside. Went to, yeah, I walked on at UC Riverside. And then went junior college, right? And then I went to Riverside Community College, which was, yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, um, I mean, I I, I graduated a, a year early. I skipped fourth grade, so I was pretty young. Oh, okay, I was seventeen years old and like two months when I graduated high school. Yeah, and I I results wise really good, but I wasn't wasn't a big kid or anything. wasn't developed yet, mm-hmm. so I had more to go. I had a D three offer, but like partial scholarship, and I was just like. Mm. So then I, I walked on at UCR and I, it was good there. I liked the coaches too. And I just, my friends were at this Juco. My dream is always to go to the college world series. I'm like, I had to walk in one summer and tell them I was leaving. And I think they like, were like, this kid's young, but he's a walk on. He's like a free player. I don't know. They were pissed. I was leaving, you know? Mm, mm. So um, yeah. Yeah. The Juco is the best decision I ever made. And it was a yeah. former high school teammate of mine. Uh, that you know was writing me letters he was playing uh in alaska in summer ball and he's writing me letters kind of recruiting me to come there he's like dude mm. this guy this guy from our high school going there the coach here is unbelievable dennis rogers mm. he's like the mental game is off the charts he's changing me who i am as a person like he's like you gotta come and i'm like literally writing letters like pen pals yeah like this is in 97 i think yeah and i was like dude I'm in. What do I got to lose? And that was the best decision I ever made. You weren't so, injured at the time? Um, 
I must have my, my so yeah, yeah. Off. In January, in January, like, so I walked on as a pitcher at UCR. Yeah. But I'm like, dude, I want to, I want to try to play too. And they're like, Pfft. and so like when the pitcher was to go run poles or whatever, I would go do hit and do outfield stuff. And the pitcher yeah. was pissed at me. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'll get my running in after practice. Like, but I'm trying to do both here. I'm trying to show some value. And like, right. Yeah. He was pissed at me. So come January, I'm like, I'm in line to start in left field as a walk on true freshman, a year young, you know? Yeah. And and I I had a tweak in my shoulder and it was like, wasn't going away. And I it was bugging me when I was throwing. And so they just scoped it. It was a quick one. I was throwing in a month, but um, mm. that's kind of the time when I decided to transition over, mm. you know? Okay. So, yeah. Have you ever dealt with like a long-term injury? um outside of that one yeah i had so 15 years old i had my ulnar nerve transposition in my elbow oh yeah funny bone they kind of moved it over yeah 15 then i had that one at 18 Mm -hmm. tommy john at 23 oh wow oh my gosh and then i had two shoulders at the very end that's why i ended up retiring it was the same time frame but it was two back to back trying to i just Mm. i couldn't they went in, they shaved my acromium down, that little, you know, the cover where you're coming over. Mm-hmm. Um, labrum, rotator cuff repair. Jeez. And I could throw fine at 60, I get to 90, and I would just like, still hurt, still felt it. Mm. So they went back in and did some stuff, and it's kind of the same thing after another four months, you know. I was like, so I just, I just ended up retiring. I think it was 29. Yeah. I hated it because it's, finally a free agent i was finally could make some money as a triple a guy and um you know that's that's my story it just i wasn't ready to be done you know yeah i was like i could do this for a while i could put i could save some money i can play triple a hopefully get back up you know but mm. yeah that was tough and then i literally took i don't know let's say nine months off i didn't pick up baseball i retired then I started doing some lessons on the side, throwing long toss with kids. And I was like, mm. I'm fine. I'm good. Like it was like a hundred percent. I was good. Hmm. And now I'm 30 and I'm like, should I try to make a comeback? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not doing it. Couldn't. But it was, uh, yeah. What was the hardest part about um, going through a long-term injury like that? I mean, TJ's maybe was the longest recovery time. Um, I mean, I'm, in rehab right now i see tons of guys do it going through the T- tj rehab um what was the most difficult part about rehabbing an injury for you just being out of competition i mean there's the rehab was easy as far as you show up do the work you know the, yeah the, the daily everyday grind of it like staying motivated mm-hmm. got hard but i had a really group a good group of guys that we were together mm-hmm. our rehab i don't know what rehab looks like now but we had fun. I mean, we competed against each other. We mm-hmm. we do like twenty minutes on the stairmaster to warm up, and we try to beat each other and stepwise or like we just got after it. It was like five of us, and we were all really hyper competitive people. Mm. You know, on Fridays we would hike Camelback. Like, oh okay, surgery guys. Like, I don't think yeah. it's a thing. <laughs> and we were a little we were a little ways out, most of us, but at the same uh-huh. time. That was like the brace on part of the week. It's like hiking with this bracing and 
it wasn't like the smartest, but the rehab that part, the hardest part was just yeah, just just staying up. But I think you know times have changed now. Tommy John's a year and a half ish. Mm. I was back in games in eight months. It was I had it June twenty fifth, and I was pitching in spring training games. So maybe a little longer than eight months, but it was very close. Yeah, that's still about eight months. Jeez. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty quick. That's a good little nugget, though. You know, the finding a good group of guys. I think that goes unnoticed too. Is like uh, just finding a teammate or something to like bounce ideas off of. You know, one guy too. It doesn't even have to be a group. It could just be one guy like to just flush out ideas with. You know, I've always found that to be super helpful. Like after a game, maybe something happens and you're back at the apartment and you just want to flush out some ideas. Like yeah. I, I think that's great. I think it's so um beneficial for a lot of players too because so many players are probably they probably feel like they're on their own a little bit in that in that sense you know i I don't know if you were ever like that like maybe a game ends or the next morning or something you're just talking with your roommates or something about a game but i always found that to be really beneficial so yeah Yeah. do you ever do that oh yeah yeah a lot of times i mean i had i had a good group of guys at every level you know there's probably at least at least one usually two or three yeah we kind of went all the way up with and i mean we'd always balance stuff off each other or, you know it's always good to have like that throwing partner that you can just maintain all year you know that's that's fun too yeah they know you better than when your stuff looks flat or mm-hmm. you know yeah that's that's really important man you got a guy do you got a guy with you right now i you know what the our group is pretty large actually our rehab group i want to say is it's not five it's like at least four times that size like it's pretty big and the cool thing about like uh, yeah the cool thing about like where i'm at right now um throwing wise too you know we get to like switch throwing partners and stuff kind of just chat about things so that's nice but also i i'm lucky to be around a lot of the guys in the upper minors too and some of the big league rehab guys too so i can kind of see how they're operating as well and even pick their brains like a little bit here and there just about tiny little things like I think yeah. that is very cool, you know, for me, it, just to be in that lower level, to be able to see how guys at the upper levels are operating. I think that is that is very um, valuable, at least for me. Like, I, I I take a lot out of that. I think it is pretty cool. And like the guys are cool, too. They're open. They're not they're not above you. Like it, yeah. it's a good environment. That is so important. That is really important. You know, college or pro, either one, even high school, even high school. It's yeah gosh it can it can really um i mean it's probably the biggest effect on you right like you kind of are your environment in a sense right mm-hmm. i mean yeah. yeah um i feel like I, in a weird way we actually covered a lot of stuff here and i am looking at the time actually now i think about it like where i probably am going over time i mean i don't know if you have any more time like to we, we the, can go a little bit longer if you if you got stuff yeah um let's see i do i mean i have some stuff i did have something um on here i think i saw some video about um some guy was like describing you as like a dude or like maybe you were talking about what it means to like be a dude or something like that i just wrote i don't know i just said being a dude so i don't know like maybe maybe i'm just reaching here but i don't know why i wrote being a dude but i did write it i I don't know I want to look it up now because I don't even know what that is. Being a dude. I don't know. But it, I mean, it's just a funny, it's just a funny little note that I wrote. Are you asking me what that means? 
I mean, I know what it means, but it's really more for the it's more for the listeners too. I don't know. It's kind of funny. It's like, um, I guess when I right being a dude, I'm thinking of those guys where, uh, like you know, they're like when they come in, you have a lot of confidence in them, right? Whereas there's a difference between that and the guy where he's coming in. You're like, all right, let's see what we get today. Who knows? It's just like we don't. We're unsure about this guy. Uh oh, and. Yep. And part of it is, I guess, like performance in a sense, but there is another piece too, where there's those guys who, you know, they're not the star pitcher, but they are consistent. Like they are a guy where you know what you're going to get out of him. And I feel like for you, maybe in that position, that is pretty valuable to have on a staff, right? Like you can rely on a guy, you know, like, I, I don't know. Again, I feel like that's something that just also just doesn't go like it goes a little bit unnoticed in the sense that like guys are always trying to like hit their new velo PR every time they step on the mound. It's like, right. get get me three outs and 15 pitches or less, you know? Right. Like, yeah. So that saying be a dude, right? The first time I ever heard that, this is, this is back in 1996 when I transferred to that Juco and the head coach was Dennis Rogers. Mm. He would say that. And I'm like, what does that even mean? He's a, he would just say, that guy's a dude. He's mm-hmm. a dude. And I'm like, I never heard it said like that. And obviously in today's world, that was a while ago, so it's a thing. But, yeah, it's it's like that guy you can rely on, the guy that's going to get it done, the guy that no matter what the situation is, he's not going to, like, falter, you know, or, or crumble. Like, mm-hmm. dude, man, like, it's a big deal. It's That's the guy you want on your staff, you know, or at the plate. But, um. I don't, I don't even know what else to say about that. It's, it's, mm. it's for the guy that may not be that or think they are, it's like, how, how can I become that? And that's when it goes back to like, you talking about mentorship and, and guys talking to older players or, or vets mm. or like, like, honest to God, like ask those questions. It's, it's almost, it's almost uh, not emasculating, but it's vulnerable, I guess. Sure. But it's like, how do I become the guy that the coach relies on aside from just nailing down the game every night or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. but those veterans, I guarantee you're going to say, be consistent, you know, have the same look about you, no matter what, like you said, whether it's stoic or whether it's an animal on the mound, be the same Mm -hmm. and don't change when it, when it's going bad. Um, But those are the guys that we all look to and go, I want, I want 10 of those guys in my bullpen or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I think about it too, from like a really, um, really just like boiling it down sort of perspective is like, and I've heard this said to me before and that's, and I'm alluding to something that I've heard before is have like, have a pitch, you know, have something Mm -hmm. you can rely on. That's that, you know, it's in your back pocket, right? You know, it might not be the perfect pitch in the perfect scenario all the time, but it's something that you can rely on, you know, more often than not yeah right it's something it's a it's like you said it's a little bit of that confidence like that'll always be there you know when nothing's going right all right at least you can rely on like your four seam glove side or your sinker down the way or your like land landed in the zone curveball you can rely on something like in order to be reliable you got to have something that's reliable right like yeah like yeah it's because like like i don't know we we both know there's so many times where you don't have your best stuff, but you got to have something when you get on the mound. There's got to be some way you can get guys out. 
you know? So, I mean, because if you have no pitches and no locations, I mean, that's, you're hardly a pitcher at that point, but if you can, at least you can get, you can even get outs with one pitch, honestly, at some Absolutely. It's, I don't know. So, I mean, I guess it's finding like your pitch, finding your, you know, your thing that you, that you know that you can be consistently good at, but I I heard a, I heard a big league pitcher and he's like big league pitcher from the nineties. It was, I think it was Jeff Brantley. who's was like, hmm. whatever. He said, I became a big leaguer, but I could throw my fastball down in the way nine out of 10 times for a strike. Like when I could, when I could pound that pitch, like I knew I was a big leaguer, but hmm. before that I wasn't because I knew I always had that to go to, you know, if I needed it, like just dot it up. Yep. And then like something that goes along with that. I heard another guy say, and I use this all the time, like, especially in this generation and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm, I'm all for it, but it's like, we spend so much time trying to make our pitches better just instead of making better pitches. Like, ah, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Work on, mm-hmm. work on things, tweak things, get your splitter to, you know, dance a little bit. I love it. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it all comes down to being a dude, getting the job done. Like the metrics and the numbers do matter. But they don't matter if you lose and if you suck and if you threw a freaking meatball right down the middle, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Like hit a spot, command your stuff, execute, and then and and steal that guy's swing, man. I think that's what mm-hmm. it's all about. Yeah. And yeah, but because if you come out of the game and you got crushed and you go, yeah, but my curveball looked the best it's looked in weeks, I go, great, but doesn't matter because you got crushed. Like, I know it matters, of course. I'm not that coach, but you know what I'm saying. No, I know what you're saying. Still all comes down to that. And yeah, we we spend our time, let's get better in the pen with the tools we have available and go out on the mound and be a dude Mm -hmm. and get rid of all the thoughts and all the, you know, that work's done, you know? So, yeah, yeah. That's that's the one thing that I think the really good players today are still doing. And and some of the ones that are younger, the, the, the newer, the newest generation, I'm yeah. not seeing you. I'm just I'm seeing more and more of though they don't care so much about the game results. And I'm like, dude, that really, really matters. Like it, yeah. it's rare, but it's still there's more of it now than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Where my my stuff was good today. Like, oh walk three. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should walk three. In an inning. Like it doesn't help. No, it's such a yin and yang. It, it completely is. I mean, and having the yin without the yang, it, it's just not whole. I mean, you can you can focus only on the results, but then you're just going to get beat down by them a lot of the time. Or you can right. only focus on development, and you're just going to have, probably have a six ERA because you don't even care that you're giving up so many runs. You know, so it's both. It's it really is both. And I think this, you know, this will be the last thing actually that I ask about because, and we've talked about it before, how you're you know a parent of players you know, both in baseball and softball, but I think this would be a nice way to kind of finish it off. Just maybe giving some advice for parents, you know, with younger players, maybe they even have players who are older, but still just like some advice uh, for parents with younger players in terms of uh, just navigating, maybe not so much failure, but like how to kind of balance that okay, we're, we're focusing on the game today or we're focusing on developing today, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I, 
I mean, the it is thing- hard. I'll admit that is a tough no. question because it's not easy for parents to do. Like, no. I would say most parents don't have, uh, you know, any sort of guidance on that sort of front. So, like, yeah, like the best advice I can give to quote unquote normal parents, and I'm saying that because I'm a coach, professional coach, but yeah. I'm a parent to kids who play. Yes, which makes it all the more tough for my kids to not, you know live up to my expectations or want to be like that or impress dad. Like mm-hmm. it's so hard for them. And I really take that into consideration when I'm talking to them, when I'm coaching them, when I'm working in the garage with them, you know, I'm hitting into a net or whatever. Like I know that that's going to be really hard for my son to go, man, dad's never going to be happy with what I do or it's never going to be good enough. And like, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, my son's not a great player. He lo- he likes to play. He likes to be on the team. And he likes working when we work, but he won't do the extra, right? And I'm not, Mm. that's not a knock on him. He has a lot of interest and he's he's really good at a lot of different things. Um, I don't think he has that, you know, one, that focus that I did as as a young player. This was all I cared about was baseball. He does percussion in the band. He has a lot of good friends and he likes baseball. So I'm like, dude, buddy, I don't care if you play beyond high school. I just want you to play as long as you're having fun and and going at it. Mm. But in all reality, if you're not going to work at it, this is as far as you're going to go, too. Like, I got to be honest with you, you know? Yeah. He knows that. That's tough love and all that, but it's true. So, on the other hand, my daughter, she'll, she'll work a little bit, like, more on her game. And 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 it's cool. It's good to see, right? And she's very cerebral where she can take it in and make adjustments and change her swing. And it's, it's kind of cool to see her swing develop with yours. But... I know I'm going around this question you asked, but I think the point is, is like as a parent, like this, this window of time is so short with your kids and whether you're literally coaching them on the field or just coaching them on the side and then watching them play, like mm. enjoy the time and like get off their backs. I mean, I mean, push them, right? Push them. Yeah. Like, get off their backs on the field. That is, I'm so sick of hearing that. Like, mm. I, I help coach my kids teams in the fall when I'm back home and I just hear parents. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This kid is so yeah. locked up at the plate and I'll have to have conversations with them going, let me be the one to do this and let, let them have freedom and just trying to have some fun out here. Mm. Cause you, you literally see kids just when you have those conversations with them and I'll like look them in the eye, these, my daughter's team specifically, and they're almost crying, and I'll just – you see the weight just fall from them and just go, okay, I can just play. Like, yeah, yeah have some fun, man. I mean hmm. – but the best advice is have fun with it. Like, enjoy it. When it's game time, let them play and shut your mouth, you know. And then, I mean, after the game, it sounds so cliche, but first question, do you, did you have fun today? Yes or no? Why not? And then, yeah, you can talk about stuff, but don't harp on the negatives. Like, always come with a positive. Because I even found I was doing that with my son earlier. I'm like, mm. hey, and that a bat, you're really dipping your backside or whatever. And like, yeah, like he made a good catch in the outfield, and I didn't talk about that. So I don't know. Mm. It's, that I know it's a little wishy washy and all over the place, but man, it's, it. I just I know I don't have a lot of time with my kids. You know, I got like four years left, maybe of high school. Mm. So it's like we we just we just take advantage of it as parents, and I think we're so hard on these kids. And 
most of them are never going to play beyond high school, you know, or right. So might as well have some fun with it, man. Yeah. And if they're workers, work with them. If they mm. don't work at all, like push them a little bit to work harder and, you know, see if they like it and see if they get better. And I don't know. It's, it's not that hard. I don't think it's just, yeah. Love the time more than anything. Not. But, I'm uh, thinking of a saying um, that might sum up that answer like very succinctly. I and would it's... love to hear it because you can cut all that and <laughs> you save yourself five minutes of rambling. No, I because because your answer has a lot of layers to it, and <laughs> because like some people they don't they might I might say the saying right, and they just still don't get it. The saying for me, and I've heard it here in the rehab guys, uh, because uh, you know you hear it's your career all the time. It's it's kind of alluding to that. It's your career. It's your career, yeah. right? It's like a threat. It's yeah. Career. So the saying is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink the water, right? right. Like you can you can't make the horse drink it. Like it's, right. yeah, you can lead him down the right path, like, but you can't make him, you know, finish yeah. the race type of thing. They've got to do it on their own. You know, yeah. uh, I like that though. That's, that's really cool. Like I, I, I've thought about that too. And, you know, because my dad, he played college baseball and, and I, oh my gosh, I always wanted to impress him. Like that was my like number one goal. It's like, I need to, I need to be, you know, good enough. Right. And yeah. so many kids I'm sure think that and feel that way. And if they're not, you know, what they think that their parents want them to be, then they're a failure and their yeah. life is over, you know, because everything, you know, the, their sport or whatever, how well they do is their whole world at that point. But yeah, but yeah, like to take that weight off their shoulders. Oh my gosh. Like it probably, probably helps so many kids. I mean, um, yeah, I, 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 I think I was, I think I've always done a good job of it. You know, looking back as a, just as a parent coaching and this, mm. you know, what I do, but the last couple of years I've really been focused on like, dude, I'm like, I tell them how proud I am, how much I love them, how much, no matter what they do in the game, like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I want you to succeed. I want you to have a great time in it and have, but no, like the most important thing is if you don't work at it, you will never have like extended success, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, you need to know that that's life, right? You don't mm -hmm. work at your job. You don't work in school. You're not going to, you're going to, You'll pass maybe, but it's just facts. Like, yeah, it's not being mean, but you have yeah. to be honest with them. I said, if you put the time in, you're going to get better. You will be better than you were last year, right? I mean, at mm. the very least. And you still might, might not have a career outside of high school, but that's fine. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. As long as you give everything you have. So, yeah. The principle, it's the, the principle is really where I'm, uh, I'm hearing it. Uh, because, you, you know, I was going to say, you can take that principle and translate it to AAA right now. It's the same principle. It works. It's the yeah. same exact thing. You took it all a step further. You went, it's life, which it is. It's the same thing. Yeah. There's so many parallels uh, within the game. And, you know, that's why people say they learn so much from the game, obviously. But yeah, yeah that that was the last like little point I was going to get to is like, yeah, even, in, even when you're 14, it's the same principle that applies when you're this close to making it to the bigs or you make it right. Yeah. Same thing. But it is. I don't know. Okay. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, again, God, I always take up too much time with my guests, We're good. but uh, 
Well, I, I appreciate you, you know, staying on for all this time. And, you know, we already kind of went through like a, a last words, I guess, for like parents and stuff, listeners. But I mean, you know, all I have to say left is just thanks for coming on, Jeff. Like, this is awesome. You know, I'm very oh, privileged fun. to be able to pick your brain, you know, so and yeah. I would do this 10 times over. Like, I'm sure we could. We could talk about so many other things, too, in depth. Uh, yeah, we yeah anytime man we can do it again down the road sometime hey ooh, anytime you know that's a we'll do that anytime yeah. down the road let's do down the road <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I'll, I'll definitely uh i'll definitely have uh some future plans for us and uh yeah this was this was really fun um i appreciate it a ton and yeah i mean if you don't have any last any more last words i mean you know i feel like you've you've said more than enough for the listeners um i guess this will be it we can sign it all off and uh yeah this uh this will be the uh the end of the episode folks so thanks for staying with us uh and we will see you next week on player to prospect